Hello and welcome to the Lifelong Learning Podcast. My name is Joshua Gallinato and I am your host for today. I created a place where I invite people that inspire me and talk about topics based around productivity and self-development. Today is no different. In today's podcast, I got the chance to sit down and talk with Dan Sylvester. After naturally gravitating to the subject of productivity and optimization, Dan studied the greats and learned a lot along the way. He's been writing on subjects based around personal development, productivity, as well as developing habits for several years now and has generated useful and inspirational resources to help you be a better version of yourself. Whether you are reading one of his articles or taking part in his online courses, you'll be sure to find useful information that will last a lifetime. Dan and I geeked out on productivity and shared our own experiences with systems and optimization. We talked about our love for Excel, the importance of dropping habits, as well as not always needing to have a system in the first place. If you love productivity, this episode is for you. And I strongly recommend you check out Dan's site over at downsylvester.com. That's Sylvester with S-I-L-V-E-S-T-R-E. As always, you can read the full show notes over on my site at galliway.blog. That's G-A-L-I-W-A-Y dot blog. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Dan Sylvester. Hey, Dan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. So, Dan, I, like I said, just moments before we started, I'm so eager to talk to you just because you, yeah, your your website, uh, just everything that you've written and, and what the stuff that you have online is, is very inspirational. And I love the stuff that you do. Um, how exactly did you get into the personal development productivity sphere? <laughs> Well, it's there's not a definitive moment that I can pinpoint where it all started. Uh, what I remember is uh, in my first job, I worked in a bank and um, they referred to me as Mr. Excel back at the time because, you know, I was always looking for ways to be more productive or to be faster at doing things in Excel. Uh, there was a lot of Excel going uh, in banks, obviously. And then when I, when I joined my second company, which was freelancer.com, um, you know, people looked at me or, or asked me things on, on how to manage email and how to manage their time better because they they saw that I read a lot of books on, on that topic and that I was watching a lot of content on on that topic. And, you know, even the way that I approached work was always with a, a productivity uh, goal end in mind. Um, so I guess there's not a definitive moment where, where you know, I got into that. Um, it was just something that it was accumulating over the years from either from reading books or, you know, watching documentaries or watching YouTube videos, stuff like that, following other people around. And then I did start writing my blog uh, right around the time that I was working at freelancer.com. You know, I just sat down and wrote every day. Um, my goal was to write 500 words a day just to get into the writing habit. And in the beginning, I was just trying to write a little bit better because I think the ability to write and, and to to be concise in what you write and to be a clear communicator is a very good skill to have in your life in general, but specifically in your work. And I always thought, even from feedback that other people gave me, that I was not a great communicator, that although I had good ideas from time to time, I was not very good at conveying those ideas. And so I thought maybe if I you know, start to write those things down and be able to communicate more precisely and more effectively through my writing that would improve me in my speaking as well. And so my blog was just an extension of that, you know, trying to pick up and learn a new skill. And even though the first blog posts or the first articles were not about productivity, 
it was something, it was a topic that my mind always came back to. And so, you know, in due course, I started writing a lot about productivity and also personal development, minimalism, you know, stuff that I like. And it's a personal blog. So I guess you could say that those are the things that, that interest me. Yeah, that's so fascinating. I feel that both you and I are quite similar because when you talk about your Excel days, um, I just loved, uh, I don't know what it is. I loved Excel as well. I loved having systems. I love having everything organized and creating charts for charts and just making sure that, you know, you're on top of things. And I know that I would have a lot of friends and sometimes family be like, man, you're just, that's overkill. Like you're creating an Excel sheet just for like a, a, a schedule, a workout schedule and, you know, adding all these different formulas and everything. Um, and I feel that um, both you and I have similarities in that we both enjoy systems. And I remember reading uh, one of your articles where you talk about personal management systems. And is that where the where the Excel days, how it kind of stemmed into a personal management system as well. Oh, I, th I think so. Because first, let me tell you that Excel is a very good starting point when you're, uh, you know, what other people refer to, uh, when other pe people refer to you as OCD type people. And, <laughs> and you know, I don't consider myself and as OCD type people, but when I remove myself from myself and I ask, okay, would the same person do that? The question, the, the answer is normally, no, they wouldn't do it. You know, um, and and it ends up, you know, making weird conversation at dinner parties. Um, the last one I recall was that I was I was telling a friend that I weighed myself every day for the last five or six years. So I can pinpoint exactly when I went on holidays, for example. And and it's still a habit that I do through to this day. I, I, I get up. The first thing is I weigh myself. And and I just, you know, at the beginning, it was to, to lose weight. And that did did end up happening but now it's just something that i do out of habit and i like to see the graphs you know um mm. and, and i do all sorts of tracking uh you know books that i've read and then obviously i create the summaries that i post on my website all these kinds of tracking all my spending so i can look at categories where i'm spending my money stuff like that um and i think excel is such a such a beautiful tool to do that very easily um and it really helped in the beginning to get a little bit uh, knowledge on Excel when I was working at the bank because it allowed me to develop um, that kind of intuition and that kind of skill to put things into graphs, even though you don't need, you know, a, a lot of knowledge on, on Excel. And the, as for the personal management system, it's, it's a very abstract article, I would say, um, in a sense that it doesn't really cover the how-to, it's just more about an idea. And in my website, in my blog, I write, normally I, I like to break my articles into three types, where the first type is something, you know, do this, do that. The second is a little bit more high level. And then the third one is a little bit more abstract, which um, coincidentally are the ones that I like to write the most because, you know, you can take that idea and apply it to your own life in the way that you see fit. So personal management systems, I wrote that article a long time ago. I'm not sure I, I even remember everything that I wrote there. But <laughs> it's, I would say it's a cross between minimalism and simplifying things and also having a way of organizing and categorizing your things. And you can use that, for example, not only for your work, but, but you can use that to sort out your clothes, for example, if you want. In your personal life, there are countless examples of how you can use those personal management systems.
Well, let me remind you about a few of the things you said. <laughs> yeah, please do. <laughs> you, uh... It's been a while. <laughs> no, I thought it was a great article. And it's Thank something you. that hit, hit home because I have a system for everything. And like you said, that people who look at us who think uh, have OCD, it was great to know that there were other people like me that creates charts for, you know. Uh, I'm I so happy chart. that you're making that comment. <laughs> I'm so happy because, you know, my blog, when I started out, I read other people. Obviously, Tim Ferriss is probably the ultimate OCD type kind of guy. And I, when I discovered Tim Ferriss, I was like, ah, you know what? Here's a guy who's very successful at what he does. And he's also OCD. So he kind of provided me with validation. So I'm happy that you're saying <laughs> in a way that he provided your validation. And and trust me, I have found on the, on the internet a lot of people that are a lot more OCD than, than you and me and do, do ways that you wouldn't even believe. Um, <laughs> mostly programmers, uh, which I which I kind of appreciate the, those kinds of blog posts. But I'm sorry to interrupt. Go, go on. No, 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 no. Um, but you actually said in, in your personal management system article, you said that Sometimes it's a case that you don't actually need a system in itself, and which is which I found I found was quite interesting because I find that I need a system for everything. But then to decide, you know what, maybe it's best not to spend my time on this. Um, how do you distinguish between the two? Like, when should I spend time creating a system, and when should I step away from it? Well, I think this was more of my grade graduation over the years. So when I did start, let's say I'm 20, 21, 22, 23, around that age, you know, I always thought, you know, there's a system for everything um, and I, I must find the perfect system for it and, and the, the perfect thing for it to work. And let's, let's just say as I have matured or, you know, that's a fancy way of saying as I grown older. Um, I, I found that lots of things don't really need or, or, or should have my attention. And now I find myself not paying attention to most of the things. You know, Steve Jobs used to say, I think it was Steve Jobs that said that the best, the best code is no code. And so I, I kind of think in the way that most of the systems that you use need to, first of all, be about things that you want to optimize for. But all the rest, you need to be very selectively of what you choose to optimize. Um, mm. So many, many things um, I don't really optimize anymore. Because again, the best optimization is zero. That's something I, I refer on another article called What Can You Remove? Which is looking at things instead of, you know, the world pushes you to add things, to add complexity. But the best solution lies in simplicity lies in removing everything that's not, um, you know, essential. Um, that's, that's a quote, I think, from Exupere, in, uh, where he says, you know, perfection is attained when there's nothing, not when there's nothing else to add, but when there's nothing else to remove. So there are many systems that I considered before, a few years ago, to optimize, where now I'm like, ah, why should I bother at all? Because this is not, not important. So I'll actively first try to remove everything that's unimportant. And then on the few things, and, the, and there are only a few things that remain, I'll try to optimize. Yeah, it's so interesting, which actually leads me to my next question. Because I remember reading an article as well where you talked about simple living and the removal of things when you, you talked about how you were going from country to country and you would realize that you didn't need your guitar, you, you didn't need your backpack 80% full it was better to reduce it so you had 50% left so that you can add anything, you know, that was 
that was uh, needed to be added for the travel. That experience, how did that make you grow? And how much did you learn through traveling and just simplifying everything that you had? Well, it was. I think it was essential. It was. It was crucial in my development of, of or my upgrading of, of this belief. I would say, I when I was in uni back at uni, I had summers, and and on those summers I would travel around Europe, uh, around Asia, and lots of other places. So I would take like one or two months. That, that's a practice that I still do to this day. I like to take long travels, and so. What happened is the first time I traveled in Europe, I was 19. I took, I think it was a 65-liter backpack. Um, I stopped in France first, then I went to London at some point. So it, it was maybe a weekend. And it, it, was just, I, it was raining because obviously it was August, but it's, you know, London. And, and <laughs> it's always raining. Um, and, you know, it was just it was a very bad experience just carrying so much stuff around. And when I got to the hotel, I was like, nah, this, this can't be it. And I just dropped half of my things there. And I was like, you know, give it to other backpackers. And as, and then I went to, to India, then I, I did the Trans-Siberian and in each, each travel I'll take less and less. And when I did take, you know, a couple of months to travel in Southeast Asia, I had a very small backpack. Um, I think, I believe it's about 30 liters or, or something like that. But, you know, a backpack that you have on a day-to-day basis. And still, I could remove things. And I remember when I was traveling, it was very funny because people would come up to me, you know, we would go on a tour or something or go on a bus. And I just had this backpack. And, you know, other travelers, they were also doing Asia or traveling around Asia would ask me, oh, where's the rest of your, you know, stuff? And I was like, this is it. That, that, that's all I got. They're like, ah, oh, you don't really, you know, you don't, you don't have a computer or something like that. I was like, no, I, I have an iPad. Ah, but you don't do, you know, you have no clothes. I was like, no, I, I have clothes. And it's like, and then eventually, what happened is, lots of people were like, but once they remove those objections, they're like, but how do you do this? And so I just, you know, countless times I would open my backpack and explain what everything would do, um, and they would be like with their 65 liter backpacks and stuff like that, they'll, they'll be amazed. And then I would explain, you know, you, 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 you're always on the go. It's easier to pack and unpack because, you know, you do a lot of that when you travel for a long period of time. You don't care if you lose some of the things because, again, you don't have a lot of, of stuff. You, you can buy new stuff anywhere. I mean, in Asia, you, you can buy stuff anywhere, literally. Uh, you don't need to carry all. This is just fear that's, you know, mm. you you carrying all these things and i think that philosophy really transposed to my work um where as i said before i look at things to remove and so to this day i still travel with this with this backpack i still have it uh, last year we uh, went to peru uh, took the same backpack uh, a bit less than last time and you know probably a little bit uh less the next time that i'll go fewer items um Back in the day, I didn't have, I did not have a Kindle. So I remember a friend arrived uh, at East Timor to meet with me. He was gonna travel with me for like a month. And when I unpacked, I had like ten or twelve books that I bought in a used bookshop in Bali. And then I had like you know three or four other things. Um, and he was just, you know, he, he was in shock. How how was that possible? But you know, I I guess. 
it is just fear that you know it's impending uh, your growth in a sense and so i think it it made it made a huge difference to travel it still does by the way but absolutely yeah i love traveling i think traveling is so important for the development of the mind it just just getting the culture in and just um, broadening your 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 thinking but when it comes to okay so for in terms of items there's this saying um two is one one is none and so with that mentality you know some people have a backup of a backup mm-hmm. but with the approach that you had you essentially didn't have any backup at all right i'm i'm guessing you just had one thing to do this one task but then did you ever worry i'm guessing you took because you talked about fear right that it didn't bother you so much but did you not have a plan for a backup if anything were that you needed? Were, um, you mean when I was traveling? Like yeah, because, I mean, you can't really have a backup of a backup in terms of items when you're traveling with a 30-liter backpack. Well, first of all, this is Asia, so it's very hot all the time. So you can, you can, you can really easily wash all your clothes. So that's, that's, you know, that's a plus. You can't do that if you go to South America, you know, in August, or if you go to Mm. like the bottom of Argentina, because it's very cold and you need a lot of clothes. So obviously that was a big plus, but I, I did not have a fear of losing or missing out on anything really, because um, on the contrary, it made me, you know, a lot more mobile to 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 appreciate things. And if you need something, if you need anything at all, you can buy it with a couple of dollars in Asia or, for that matter, anywhere in the world. As long as you have that, you know, money that can cover those expenses, it's all good. Also, when you travel with other people or when you meet other people, you'll find pretty easily if you need something for one day specifically you can ask them and you know they'll lend it to you um, if, if you don't want to buy it. Uh, for example, um, as an example, you can buy, I didn't have a, something to shave and I could buy you know, a razor on a supermarket very easily. But if you don't have, for example, you know, a kind of piece of paper that you want to write on, you can you know, go to the front desk and ask for that. So once you get past that fear that you're not gonna not have something because because you're gonna have those things anyway, it's very easy to move forward. And I, and again, I think that that um, applies to productivity as well in the very same way. Yeah, I totally see it. Um, I noticed there's a running theme with you that this philosophy of reduction and removal is more important than ad- addition. Um, and I remember you were talking about uh, when you were re- you were writing something along the lines of developing good habits but you're also willing to drop good habits at the same time. Can you talk more about that mentality of dropping good habits? Yeah, I think it's easy to feel overwhelmed from time to time. Um, so one thing that happens in, in New Year's Day, obviously, is the, the worst or the best, depends on which way you look at it. The, the worst day for this, because you know, you're going to change your life, you're going to start a new you. Or if you work, normally September after your holidays, and you try to take too much at once. And so... What I normally try to do is is to try to tackle one thing at a time. So again, this could be minimalism. You know, it's just focus on one thing. At work, I focus on one project. So if I have a couple of projects on the pipeline, I'm like, okay, what, which is the which one is the biggest that I want to tackle right now, or that I have the greater odds of success? So let's go with that one now, and let's focus with that project for the time being and single task until it's complete. And so in habits, it 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 
we arrive at the same conclusion where you want to, you know, let's say start running and then lose some weight. And then maybe you want to read 50 books a year. It's hard to tackle all of those at the same time. You can do two things when you're overwhelmed. You can drop those habits altogether, try and, and, and not do them anymore. Or you can, you know, postpone for a later date where you say, okay, once I get in the habit of running where it's automatic in a way, then, you know, I'll, I can start to try and read more books. So I think that's the logic behind habits is to first try one, one at a time. And once you get a hang on, uh, when, when, once that habit is automatic, it's built into your schedule, then you can do other things. And I'll give you an example. When I started reading, the, the trick that I made it automatic so uh, that I would read every day, and this is something that I still do today, every day, is to read at a specific time at a specific location. My time and location is not very sexy, but that's when I need to go to the bathroom in the morning. So my <laughs> Kindle sits in my in my toilet and when i have you know to go i just read so that's an automatic habit and because it's been a couple of years when i'm somewhere else and i need to go to the toilet for a longer period it feels very weird because i don't have my kindle you know and that's how i know my brain when it sits down it knows ah this is reading time so when you build up you know that kind of schedule or that kind of routine and it's automatic then you can build up another habit but you don't have to try to tackle everything at once that's the main idea yeah i think that's you know what my one of my biggest flaws is that i have i have too many projects in my mind that i want to tackle straight away mm -hmm. and i can't decipher which one is the better one to focus on i'm fully aware that you can't multitask and i understand that I mean, even for me, I've been burnt out because I've been trying to juggle. I've been trying to juggle projects because I, I love each and every idea that I'm working on. Um, and then to decide to drop, you know, drop the five and work on one, that's really tough for me. And, and it's, it's really, really scary. I, yeah, it's something I still struggle to this day. And I've been working on it for years. I mean, is there anything that you can advise someone like me or anyone listening um, on how to drop ideas and habits well the first thing is it's never going to get easier it's it's not something that you're going to struggle for a couple of years it's something that that's going to struggle that you're going to struggle for the rest of your life uh so so <laughs> the first you <laughs> first so first a little bit of, of good news for you but yeah so i struggle with this as well i struggle this year as well um i struggle with it every day um am i doing the right thing is this the one project that i should be doing and then eventually I do, I do something else. And then after six months, crash and burn, I was like, ah, we need to go back to the one that, that, you know, go with your gut instinct. But I would say a good exercise when you need to cut down your, um, your projects or something like that um, comes from a book called The Millionaire Fast Lane by MJ DeMarco. Um, he applies it. He was trying to move uh, between cities. And what he did was a decision matrix where he was like, um, giving a few criteria to a couple of, to two places, I believe. And then he would give a weight to those criteria and then he would rank them from one to 10. So for example, he's trying to move, if I recall correctly, either to Chicago, stay in Chicago or move to Seattle and maybe perhaps someone, some, some place else. And then he would say, okay, what's really important for me here? So maybe the weather is really important. You know, I 
if I remember correct, correctly, he's from Chicago. He's like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want um, cold anymore. I want something that's that's warm. So I'm going to rank that really high. I'm going to give that an eight um, in, in terms of like importance. And so he had like 10 criteria each from, you know, when you all adds up, it will be 100%. And then you multiply that by the score that you give. So obviously to Chicago, because it's colder, perhaps you give a two. And then, you know, to Seattle, I know. Perhaps it's a, a nicer climate. I, I'm not entirely sure, but you give an eight, right? So when you're trying to move, then you you know you multiply that and you get a final number. And this is something very easy to do um, for your tasks as well. So that's something that I recommend in Zero to Done. You just look at all your tasks, or I would say all your projects, and say, okay, which one is going to give me the most impact? Which one is the easiest to pursue right now? Which one you know is going to be I'm going to be the happiest to work with? And what's the most important for you right now? Are you trying to create last long in impact right now? Is that the one thing you want to focus on? Or do you want to go something with something easy for the next three months? And even when building habits, you can do that. Um, you know, if you want to, let's just say in a general sense, you know, get healthier, you can do lots of things. You can change your diet. You can stop eating certain kinds of foods. You can, you can do exercises. And then in exercise, you can do all kinds of exercise. And then you can, you know, rank them according to criteria. So you weight the criteria and then you multiply the score that you give to each criteria by its weight and then you get a final number. And I believe that's a very easy way to look and, and even to uncover your own biases. In the beginning, you can score. You can say, okay, I'm, I'm guessing this one is going to be the number one on my list. And the end result is never the one that you expect. And then you're like, okay, wh why did that happen why am i rating this one okay it's because you know i'm giving more emphasis to you know ease for example so i think you know in your case for five projects you could find a few criteria that you think you know that you deem very important and then you give a weight to each criteria uh, that adds up to 100% and then you multiply by the score that you give each one um, so that would be my advice which is not really my advice but you know something that i that i enjoyed learning and that i use on a day-to-day -day basis. Such a great way of thinking. It's uh, something I'm definitely going to to take into account and, and try and implement into my own life. You actually talked about Zero to Done, which is your your course that you promote on your website. And it's the, the course that you say that it's the premier training course for knowledge workers that want to master procrastination and get things done. Um, what is it about procrastination uh, that we do so often and that, that stops us from doing any good work well there are many there are many triggers for procrastination um i think procrastination first is is human nature we always delay things uh, procrastination in a sense is delaying things that you need to get done and some of the things you don't you know you can delay which are the things that you cannot delay those are the true forms of procrastination and you need to find the triggers that are hard they are making it hard for you to complete something. And maybe that's because the task is boring. And so you don't want to, you know, complete your tax reports. You'd much rather watch Netflix. Um, or perhaps the task, you know, it, it doesn't have intrinsic rewards. Or you're very removed from when the reward is happening. So may, perhaps you could make a list of, of you know, the rewards that you're going to that you're gonna get by completing that task. For example, your tax returns, you might get some you know, tax money back, for example. And procrastination is something that a lot of people 
what do people struggle with? And perhaps the biggest, the biggest reason is they're not engaged in their work. And so first you need to ask yourself, okay, am I engaged with my work? And if you work in an office, you're going to get to two to, to, uh, conclusions. The first one is you need to change your job or the nature of your job. Or the second one, you need to tailor your job in a way um, that it's going to help you be happy with it and not procrastinate that much. But at, at the end of the day, you're always going to procrastinate. Yeah, it's something that uh, even I struggle with, with someone who loves productivity and self-development. So in terms of zero to done, how do you try and tackle it um, in your own systematic way? So the way I tried to structure this course was to first make it very simple, make it very minimal, again, aligned with, with what I preach, let's, let's say preach. And I divided the course into four sections which is the acronym done. So the first one will be define where you think about, where you think about your vision, your productivity vision, why you want to be more productive and also your goals. And you schedule kind of a plan on how you're going to tackle those goals and you build a scoreboard or a scorecard that's going to tell you every week, every day, how you're doing against that score. So for example, if your goal is to you know publish regularly on your blog or maybe do a lot more podcast episodes, you can have a scorecard or a scoreboard that's going to indicate the number of episodes that are published. So that that would be the goal, right? So if the goal is something, you know, to reach a number, certain number of downloads or listens, then you know the lead measure on that, which is the actions that you can take to achieve those that that goal, that specific goal, is probably to create more podcasts. And to create more podcasts, in your case, you need more guests. So probably, you know, you could ramp up your efforts to you know, connect with more people and record more episodes. And then, so that's the first part, which is to define. And then we move on to the second part, which is O for optimize. We're basically laying the groundwork for your productivity. And in this section is, is all about, you know, preparing yourself and your environment to be productive all the time, not really, but most of the time. And so we talk about deep work, which is a concept by Dr. Cole Newport. And, and time blocking and all those sorts of techniques. And then we move on to the third part, which is uh, N for navigate, where we take a little bit day to day, you know, adjusting your work, um, managing distractions, things that come up every week, every month. And then finally on E, it's about evaluating your efforts, you know, doing daily reviews, weekly reviews, monthly reviews, and adjusting course, protecting your time, stuff like that. And it creates a loop. It's, just, it's literally a system that creates a loop. So every 90 days, you would plan, you would define, and then you would optimize, you would navigate on a day-to-day -day basis, and you would evaluate all the first three things. So it's a loop and a continuously uh, system for productivity. And this is a system that you've been using for a few months now? Yeah, it's been, it's been a few years, actually. But you know, oh. it's constantly being refined. Uh, and I never, and I never put it into, you know, in the, into a coherent form. It's just something that I, I picked from books and from listening to other people from a lot of experimentation with, with my work. And, you know, this year I was like, okay, I'm going to put this down into a course. I'm going to put this into videos. And now I can, you know, gather some feedback from students that I have and, and improve it, maybe clarify what I mean in each section, in each lesson. And hopefully the, the long, the long haul or the long game for this is to try to come up with a, with a simplistic system, I would say, to, to get things done. It sounds like you're 
going to uh, again remove the unnecessary fat absolutely in this, uh, this course <laughs> Absol absolutely you talked about um, reading a lot of books. I, I can tell from your site that you're a well-read person. And I noticed that you have a tab called the uh, the book summary section yeah. uh, where you write all the summaries and notes of every single book that you read. How often do you read a book? Um, I mean, I, I read every day. I can read like it, two, three. It depends on the, on the book per week. But I'm much more focused on, you know, how good the book is rather than the number. I think that's kind of a vanity metric. Um, mm. But it's more about reading better books, I would say. Um, and notes really help you remember what that book was about. And so it's just my notes on the books. It's my personal take. So sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll omit something that I didn't think it was that particularly impressive for me because maybe I read it in another book or I already knew it or something like that. But then it helps you come back to that idea to, uh, from that book and remember what you want to, what you want to remember from that book. And also, it helps me when I'm writing posts to know, okay, maybe I want to talk about procrastination. So perhaps I could look at studies from, you know, the procrastination equation or solving the procrastination puzzle from those two books. And so you really, it's a really helpful way to gather all your insights in one way that's going to help you produce more work or you know new creative ideas in the future so it's kind of like a, a database of great stuff i would say yeah i love it i love uh, especially what you said earlier about um the number of books that you read is such a, a vanity question vanity um answer uh, at the start of this year or actually at the end of last i was I, I, I often like similar to you, I read a lot of books, but I realized that I think I was reading books just because of the number, just to say, hey, I've read X amount of books this year. And I wanted to challenge myself and just change that mentality and tell myself to just read good books and take my time reading books and, and digest it slowly. And if it takes if it takes a lot of time, so be it. And if I don't like this book, I can um, happily put it down and change to another one. And that mentality has really changed uh, changed my way of thinking uh, when I started it this year. Yeah, absolutely. Let, let me rephrase that a little bit. I don't think in the long run, number of books is a good metric to have, but in the beginning, I think it's very helpful. So if you're starting to, or if you want to acquire the habit of reading every day, I think it's very helpful to focus on the goal, which is the ultimate goal is to, would be to read more books. I think that's very helpful. So I did that in the beginning. But now, as you mature and you acquire that habit, it's probably not the best metric that you want. And you want to look for life-changing, let's, let's just say life-changing books or books at least that teach you something new. Um, so I think, yeah, in the beginning is very helpful. You have like a goal that you want to achieve. But as you go on, you focus on on reading better books. And it's fine. Sometimes you read, you know, you're, you're trying to read the book that is highly recommended by a lot of people and you don't like it. It doesn't, it's, it's not worth your time to, you know, to push through it. You know, just drop it, come back later. You know, that happens all the time. You, you probably watch a movie, don't like it, watch it five years later. You love it. It's your favorite movie ever. Perhaps you're not ready for the book. Um, you know, or or you already outgrown the book itself, and so it's yeah. not even about reading the most popular books. It's finding you know the best books for you specifically. 
Yeah, I wanted to ask you, how do you find the books that are specific to you, books that will pique your interest? A um, couple of techniques. So the first one would be to look at people that I admire and, and see what they recommend. Um, that's a, a very fail-proof way of finding books that you're going to like. The second one is to look at books that you really enjoy and, and see what books they recommend in that book. So if you've read about a topic on procrastination and you really like that book, and the guy, the, the author is recommending something else, probably going to like that book as well. And, and probably the third thing is you start a lot of books. So you just start and then you have, you know, after half an hour of reading, if you don't like it, it's like, okay, not, not this one. And then you just move on. I do the same for movies. We have um, like a rule that 15 minutes in, if I don't really like, if I don't really like the movie, I'll just, I'll, I won't watch it. So you, you can do the same for books. As long as you start a lot of books, you know, you're going to, the first 10, 15 pages are enough for you to understand if that book is any good or for you specifically. Yeah, I love that mentality about um, including that with movies. My partner, on the other hand, hates that mentality. And when I um, suggested that to her, she was like, no, when we start a film, we finish it. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, uh, what is that? What is the term called? Sunk cost fallacy? Sunk cost? Um... Yeah, the Zegarnik effect, where you, you know, you need yeah. to, to finish something. But here, here is how, here is how I tackle with my part. And we, we have two rules. <laughs> no, maybe, maybe this could help you. You know, we have two rules where, um, we only watch a movie. And this was, I must say, after we watched Eddie Murphy it was a very bad movie by Eddie Murphy, The Tree. I can't even recall <laughs> the title. I was like, no, we we can't do this. There's so many beautiful movies in the in the world. We're not doing this anymore. And so the two the two rules is the first one: the movie must have a seven point zero or higher rating. Now, obviously, that's very ambiguous. Um, but when a movie has been rated by you know thousands and thousands of people, I think that's safe to assume. Um, if it's a personal recommendation, I'll probably you know we'll we'll probably go with it. But you know if it's less than six, I I I don't think you should waste your time. And the second rule is, 15 minutes in, one of you uh, can decide to stop. So if I'm liking the movie, my girlfriend is not. Um, I can decide, uh, she can decide, you know, I don't want to watch this and then I have to finish it myself. Um, so perhaps you could do that. Um, you know, 15 like minutes that, yeah. in, it's a, the 15 minute row. Maybe I should patent bending. <laughs> well, that's great advice. I'm going to, I'm going to, maybe I'll try it out and I'll let you know how that, um, yeah. how that gets on. <laughs> well, yeah. But speaking, um, talking, going back to the, the book summaries, it's such a great concept. I actually, I do that offline every book that i write um, excuse me every book that i read i always have notes and um i always i have a document i have a folder dedicated to all the books that i've read um with all the notes that i've taken um and it's something that uh i as we said um off um off air i, I was talking to you about how the best artists steal Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to steal that idea and probably just put all my notes online similar to you. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I, I stole it from Derek Sivers. So, you know. Oh, yeah. I love Derek Sivers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're stealing from someone else as well. Exactly. Well, um, so I wanted to just ask a, a couple more questions before you go, uh, Dan. Uh, the one question is, uh, for me, I know that, uh, like I told you, that, you know, I have s several projects on, in, in my head and and I'm trying to be productive and stay uh, stay on top of it, um, on top of every single thing that I do. But you know, 
occasionally I get distracted and I'm always curious with people who are in the self-development sphere and the whole uh, personal development. Um, what distracts you the most and takes you away from your uh, productivity time? Oh, the internet. That's easy. <laughs> uh, Black can you be hole. more specific with the internet? Oh, the, the entire internet, but more specifically Reddit. <laughs> oh, you do the Reddit hole. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm the more uh, YouTube uh, hole. Uh, a second one would be a second one would be YouTube. Normally on on the phone though, on the computer, you know, I block all the recommended videos and that and that sort of stuff. So that really helps. Um, I don't have that on my phone. Yeah, so uh, I was going to talk to you about the uh, the article where you talked about blocking websites. I too um, do something very similar. I use Leech Block. Yeah. Um, I actually I actually reinstated it today because I realized i turned it off when i just started going to this black hole for several weeks um but yeah i had to do the same on my phone uh fortunately i have an android and the focus me app was yeah. free so um i used that it's good app. because yeah you know like you said when you go to the toilet um you read i in the past i would go to the toilet and i would watch nba uh, videos and like these videos last for 10 minutes at a time and my partner would be like why are you in there for so long so it got to the point where I had to just stop myself uh, and force myself to get off the phone on YouTube. Well, what I um, what I do recommend on the phone, again, this is a matter of looking on a problem from complexity to simplicity. When you don't have the YouTube app, you can't open YouTube videos. So that's what I did. Yeah, I deleted it too, but then I found a way around that. Yeah, yeah, by you, going on yeah, Chrome. We, and we, yeah, <laughs> yeah, junkies, we we find a way to, <laughs> yeah. So, on on the internet, what I do normally is I disconnect from the internet altogether. So I don't use any particular um, daily. I would say I wouldn't use particularly um, a, a, an app or something like that. The one that I use normally is called Walk something. Can't remember the name, mm. but I normally disconnect. For example, if I'm writing an article, um, it's called block site. Yeah. So if I'm writing an article, I don't need. You know, when you're writing an article, it's very easy to to start looking for sources. It's very easy to procrastinate when you think procrastination uh, productively to just read the other stuff about that topic and you think you're writing, but you're not writing. You're researching. So what I do is the first draft. I write on um, Notepad, so no internet, mm -hmm. just on a Notepad. is is white on black, and I was very happy to discover that um, uh, George Martin does this. He writes, I think, on an old computer, something like that. Who only has a text editor. Um, Stephen King, I, I believe, does the same. And so, I'm not comparing them to me to to them, but but that that actually works for me. So I turn off the internet. I don't, you know, not an old machine, just a MacBook, but you know, without the internet, I'm forced to think a little bit more creatively. And then when I have the first draft, I edit it. And after that, then I'll go and research and see, okay, maybe there's a couple of things that I could add from here and, and from there. And I also set a time limit um, for a specific task. So if I have to complete an article, let's say I'm going to give it two hours. If I know the, the topic very well, maybe I can do it in an hour. And I force myself to write faster because, you know, that urgency, that one hour, two hour time limit sets the urgency for the task where you can, you, you're not really able to procrastinate on it because you have to finish it. And that's, a, I think that's a very good productivity hack to, to set, you know, to shrink your work in a way that 
you know, you have less time to complete it because it forces you to go faster. You can't do it for all your tasks, but you can do it for one task per day, for example. Well, Dan, you're giving me all these golden nuggets. I'm so uh, grateful to be talking to you right now. It's, uh, it's truly, uh, truly inspirational. So maybe next time you can do a podcast in 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. We'll see about that. Um, Dan, so um, where can people find you? Well, my blog is at dansylvester.com. So um, lots of people will uh, misspell my name as in Sylvester as the cat. But I am from Portugal and we actually uh, spell it T-R-E. So that will be then S-I-L-V-E-S-T-R-E.com. And so I send a newsletter every Monday called the Five Bullet Monday, where I share, you know, what I publish, my MOOC notes, my articles, and also things that I discovered on the web. Um, five things that I discovered are something probably, you know, documentaries that I've been enjoying, stuff that I've been listening to, quotes, stuff like that. Then I also run uh, a productivity newsletter where I share one productivity hack per day, and you can find that at oneproductivity.com. And then, you know, social media, Twitter, uh, that will be uh, at densylvester.com. And then Medium, you know, all, all those kinds of things around the web. Mostly, you know, my blog and my productivity newsletter. Yeah, if anyone's listening, I would strongly suggest to um, sign up to that newsletter. It's really cool. And you, you add some really cool resources every week. So, um, yeah, it's definitely uh, worth signing up to. Well, Dan... Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Thank I you. really enjoyed having a conversation with you. And you told me this is the first time you've ever been on yeah. the podcast. I'm thoroughly impressed. It was Thank you. very I, natural. I, I thought it I, went well too. I'm quite pleased. Yeah. I mean, you should definitely think about going onto more podcasts or even hosting one for yourself because you're really... Absolutely. But you made this a lot world. easier for me. So, so kudos <laughs> on that, Joshua. Sweet. Thank you very much, Dan. Um, yeah. So let's keep in touch and we'll, we'll talk later. Thank you.